Hey you guys, it's Annie coming at you from the editing booth, aka my couch. <laughs> our episode today is a little different because we're actually on our season break this week and next week, but we didn't want to leave you hanging, so we decided to try something quote-unquote new. Some other podcasts have done it before, so we just thought we would try it with ours. Um, if you've been a listener for a while, you may know that our first podcast launched in 2019 and we rebranded as a Star Wars-centric podcast in summer of 2021. It took some time to figure out how we liked to do the podcast in general, and we actually ended up archiving a ton of the early episodes from 2019 to about May of 2022, um, when we started our current format with the Kenobi Watch Along last year. Some of them make us cringe. Um, and will never be re-released. Sorry. <laughs> but we do have a few that we actually really love and we thought this would be a great time to share them with you even though they aren't part of our current format. The episode I'm about to share with you today was a part of our original, original podcast called What the Heck is Going On? And the episode was titled What the Heck is Going On with John Williams? Its original air date was January 2020. That's right, the pre-pandemic days and was obviously recorded before a lot of the updates to John Williams' career that have happened over the last three years, um, including the most recent Star Wars collaborations he's done and the continuation of the Indiana Jones franchise. We also had not upgraded our recording equipment at that point, so you'll notice a difference in sound quality. You may notice that right now I'm using my headset um, as I did for a long time before I got, or before each of us got our podcast mics. Um, and back then we were using our phones, so you probably will notice a distinct difference. Um, the original version of the episode also had a interruption post-production correction where I had to come in and correct some information that you will hear early in the episode where I attributed um, the musical innovation in the film American Graffiti to John Williams, but it actually turns out that a traditional composer did not work on that film, and the innovations were due to creative problem solving of George Lucas and the other film producers of American Graffiti. So whenever you hear me say that, just know that I know I was wrong, and I corrected it. <laughs> anyway, that's all for now. We hope you enjoy this episode from our archive as we gush over the musical genius that is John Williams, and we will see you in two weeks. Maybe our like, signature intro could just be awkward. Yes. It could be a whole thing. Okay, anyway, you guys, welcome to What the Heck is Going On? <laughs> I'm yeah, Annie. What's going on? And I'm Marianne. And uh, today we're trying to figure out, or not figure out, but I guess we're just discussing what the heck is going on with John Williams, the film composer. Uh, before we get into that, we just have a few disclaimers. First, we do not get sponsored by items we talk about or people we talk about. Sean Williams doesn't know us. He's not paying us anything. We just love him. Yep. Okay. Um, our podcast is not meant for children, but, you know, well, you know, we just have to tell you that. <laughs> don't be like, oh, this is cute. No, don't, don't, mm -hmm. just don't. Anyway, um, occasionally... We're wrong about things. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed about this. <laughs> so our last so, podcast, we our last episode we talked about the three 
briefly talked about the three presidents impeached, three U.S. presidents impeached. And for some odd reason, I was stuck on Andrew Jackson. It was not Andrew Jackson. It was Andrew Johnson. Big difference. So to recap, Andrew Johnson, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, three impeached presidents. There you go. If you need some context for that, feel free to listen to our last episode, which was what the heck was going on in 2019. Okay, so, or something like that. Um, Also, you said Andrew Johnson, and I was like, why LBJ? Like, clearly it wasn't LBJ, but he's just Lyndon B. Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Lyndon B. Johnson. Ridiculous. Okay, anyway, you know, Texans are very proud of people like LBJ and stuff. (laughs) And anyway, so, um, we're talking, we're both on a Star Wars high right now. Yeah, I just watched the last episode, episode nine, Rise of Skywalker, and I will tell you, I bawled like a baby. Oh Cry. I saw it twice. I saw it twice. I saw it opening night. My older brother is part of the 501st, and, uh, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically a organization that they dress up as stormtroopers but it's official anyway and uh we went on a troop that's what they call it we'll talk more about it when we get into our star wars series but i got to go with him and i saw it the first time obviously cried like a baby and i liked it for the most part i mean like there's some issues but eh. well then the second time i cried even oh gosh i know i will cry more i just i was like I won't cry because I know it's coming, but I purposefully didn't wear makeup to that viewing. God, I, <laughs> know. I, I know I'll cry the second like, time oh. I watch it, and the third time, and the fourth time, because I'll just never get over it. I'm just never, ever going to get over it. Ever. Ever. It's just, you can't get over things like that. No, you just can't. You can't. And part of the you reason you can't it. is because what is the most emotional thing about the movies? Is the it the music. characters? Maybe. Like, yeah, exactly. It's the music. Oh and who is the God. genius behind this music? It is John Williams. Oh, man. And this was his last one, too. Like, he said after episode nine, he's done. Well, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> he's also committed to doing uh, the newest Indiana Jones movie. Well, I mean, for Star Wars. I meant for Star Wars. Oh, okay. I don't know if he's retiring. Somebody was altogether. telling me it was like his last one ever. And I was like, oh, what a note. And then like. No, well, I'm not like, even throwing a pun. But I yeah. Think he like, had, I think he decided he had, for Star Wars, he decided he was done. Like he's, yeah. like, I know, you know, uh, shoot, who did the scoring for um, Rogue One? He also did the scoring for um, the new Star Trek movies. And John, oh, I, I feel like. About. Michael Crap, I can't think of something name. but I feel like John Williams passed the baton on to him because it was brilliant Rogue One's uh film score was brilliant I love it it's one of my favorites yeah but and Solo wasn't bad it was just and I say that because I love John Powell who's the one that did it Solo's mm-hmm. it was just a very different movie tonality wise yes and it's, so I think that the Rogue One, though, was like you, and at the time we were talking about it, but John Williams like started it all. So, well, yeah, and I think I John Williams played. had some part in Rogue One as well. I think, I think John Williams had a part in Rogue One as well, but I'm sure he had like consultation or something. Yeah. At the very least, he had uh, influence, which is not something you need copyright for, but you know. Yeah. So basically, um, I pulled out one of my old college textbooks that probably hasn't been read in seven years and it's 
um, the History of Western Music, 8th edition, and on page 966, published by Norton, um, there's a little paragraph about film music. It says, film is a multimedia format of longstanding, blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to skip to this other part. Many films use existing music. George Lucas's American Graffiti, which was the movie he made right before Star Wars, mm-hmm. set a pattern by employing pop music of the late 50s and early 60s to accompany a teen drama set in that era the movie was made in 1973 and it was the first time that they had really used film music for like for the purposes of helping tell the story Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just like filler Mm -hmm. in the background i gotcha and it was john williams that scored that movie so he set the track Film yeah, it says most striking was the return to full-scale symphonic scores organized around uh, lit motives. I think I said that right. The music by John Williams, who was born in 1932 for the six Star Wars movies, clearly this is a little out of date, was arguably as important as the actors in conveying the dramatic action. Yep, <clears throat> I agree. Which, I mean, it says arguably, but I don't think it's arguable. <laughs> like... It's true. Yes. Symphonic movie soundtracks became hot selling recordings, outpacing all other orchestral music and raising the stature of film composers. Some film composers have arranged their film scores, blah, blah, blah. It specifically mentions Howard Shore and his Lord of the Rings symphony, mm-hmm. uh, which is based on his score, which is also an amazing score. But today we're talking about John Williams. Yes. So, <laughs> um, some other things, if you're just like, well, I don't really care about Star Wars, well, I don't know why you're listening to us yeah. because we're, we have a whole series coming up. But let me, uh, I wrote down most of his biggest works. And he has, by the way, at least a dozen more, like maybe two dozen more. I only wrote down the ones that were high profile. So we have Goodbye, Mr. Chips, which was an older movie that's like the, it's kind of a precursor to Mr. Holland's Opus, if you're a music person, if you know what that movie is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. Jaws, who doesn't know Jaws? Yep. Like I've never seen it, but you know the music. Yep. Uh, Midway, which we actually played a Midway uh, selection my senior year of college at Meyerson. Oh, did you? From that movie? Oh. Yeah, it's a nice, very John Williams sounding. Uh, Star Wars, of course, all nine movies or the nine saga films. Yes. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Superman, the original Superman. Yep. Um, 1941, which is a, if you're into dark comedy, I recommend it. <laughs> um, Indiana Jones series. I don't know what they call that franchise, I guess. Uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial Home Alone series, which I didn't actually realize he did Home Alone. I didn't know that either. Um, Hook, which is that Peter Pan movie <laughs> everyone likes with Robin Williams. Yes. Uh, the Jurassic Park franchise, yes. which is like a whole other thing. Yeah, I'll get to that in a little bit. Schindler's List <laughs> also won many awards. Sabrina, uh, which is my mom's favorite movie, and it's actually a remake. Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. which no one has seen, but everyone's heard about. Um, Harry Potter, the Harry Potter franchise, that's what I should say. Uh, Memoirs of a Geisha, which was a big fad movie about 10 years ago. Uh, the Adventures of Tintin, War Horse and Lincoln, and Book Thief, which are all pretty similar in their uh, structure. And then back to uh, Star Wars again. 
He's also written four themes for Olympic Games. Yeah. Fanfare and theme was for LA in 1984, Olympic Spirit and Soul in 88, Summon the Heroes, which is my personal favorite, Atlanta in 96, and Call of the Champions in 2002. He's written a ton of things for NBC. He's written 17 non-film or television-related concertos. Wow, I didn't know that. Huh. Um, actually, Ruben, if you're listening after three times of telling you you need to, um, <laughs> we have a friend named Ruben. He's an aspiring composer, and I wrote him asking about our episode, and he said, you need to mention he does other things. And I was like, okay. But I looked it up, 17 concertos, and then there are dozens of pieces that he's written for different events. Wikipedia called them celebration pieces and other works. Like, dozens. And I was like, wow like this man probably hasn't slept in 50 years <laughs> what is this <laughs> um so we're gonna get into all, a lot more after our first break so please stick around hey you guys welcome back to what the heck is going on today we are discussing uh one of the greatest film composers of all time john williams yes yes and we just have to like this episode might be a little longer just because we love him that much. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, not sorry. Um so Marion, what do you what do you think is so special about his music? I mean, I know a couple of technical explanations, but what draws you to it? Uh so I think I was honestly I was first exposed to John Williams when I first watched Star Wars. So I've I don't remember how old I was when I first watched Star Wars, but Star Wars has oh, always yeah. been a part of my life. Six months old. <laughs> I mean, it's it's always been a part of my life, Star Wars has. So that's how I've always associated John Williams with Star Wars. And, you know, you mentioned this before about how his the music is such an important role. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, now we have themes for different characters you have the imperial march you have princess leia's theme you know you have the jaws theme um indiana jones now now you have character themes that when you hear that music you immediately associate them with that character yeah and And john williams is not the only one who does this now like a lot of composers do this now i think he really well, kind of going back to the other part about American Graffiti, like, I think he really is the one that pioneered it, though. Yes. Yes, I agree. I, he really, he set that precedent for it, you know, and um, there was a, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's called Masterclass. I've seen episode. I've seen them. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ads for it on Facebook. With uh, Aaron Sorkin, which is super random. <laughs> right, well, Aaron <laughs> Hans Zimmer does a master class on film composing. Mm-hmm. And um, I was watching like a snippet of it, but he talks about how it's just like uh, there was this one, one point he was talking about having like the French horns up above just to give it like a more grand sound and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he's another, he's another good one. Hans Zimmer is. I and, tell um, people he's number two. Yeah, he's fantastic. In my, in my mind, he's number two. <laughs> But they, it, it just like, you know, like if you ever hear the, the Dark Knight music, for me, like, like the Dark Knight soundtrack, like I think mm-hmm. of the Dark Knight, like it just, just happens. And um, you remember, uh, you remember in the movie Pitch Perfect 
where right. um, I can't believe I forgot his name, but he talks about he wants to be a film composer because he wants to like you know inspire people, make people cry, kind of thing. Um, and nowadays, I think music having a film score is so important for the movie now because it helps tell the story. Everybody recognizes the Star Wars main theme, right? If you oh, actually, if you don't, that you've was been living things- under a rock. That was one of the things in Wikipedia. It's been named, uh, it or it was awarded. Ugh, I took, I, I exited out. But basically, go read Wikipedia about drum lamps. But it said that Star Wars, the original composition of it, was saved in the American Smithsonian Archives or something, as one of the top influential pieces of art of the 20th century. Yeah, if you don't recognize the Star Wars theme you've been living under a rock i mean like who everybody you, you even if you don't like star wars or you've never seen star wars you've heard it it's somewhere. kind of like jaws because i've never seen jaws same oh, yeah, me neither. but everyone knows what know that is. the Jaws. you hear that yeah. you know there's a shark around the corner right <laughs> exactly people are like we'll be out in the ocean singing that and have never seen Star. i would do that i mean duh. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just he doesn't his music is just it's unforgettable and actually Mm -hmm. from what i understand it's extremely difficult and um i've just the the timpani part we had to play some in the heroes in high school and it was a um which by the way guys i used to be um a semi-professional timpanist super random fact but true story um and in high school, we had to play this, not when I was semi-professional. Uh, it was a condensation, a conven- no, that's not what they're called, condensements. It was a condensement of some of the heroes for high school level. And the timpani part is literally the hardest thing I've ever played. Yeah, from what I understand, his music is super hard to play. Super hard. But people and- are going to do it. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's John Williams. But, you know, like, I actually, I'll sit down, and I think, I don't know if this is just, like, the music the musician part of me but I will sit down and I will listen like I will really listen like if I if I want to really listen to something like I'll sometimes focus in on the strings or I'll focus in on the brass or something like sometimes like I will listen to several like a piece like several times because I'm going to focus on the different parts of the music because I want to like I want to hear that and you can just by listening to it like um okay so in um Episode two, Attack of the Clones. You probably like mm-hmm. this one, but the one piece is when they are, uh, they're going, they're chasing um, that assassin through Coruscant. It's mostly drums. If you listen to it, like that yeah, whole I section, it's just mostly percussion. And I mean, you listen to that, and you're just like, that poor percussion. because that's like ten minutes long. Whole, um, I think it's in the DVD. I saw a segment. I don't think it's John Williams. I think it's one of the sound artists, but they're talking about how they mixed the rhythm that he made with um, the sound of an electric guitar being slid, mm-hmm. like the string being slid, to create the sound of the like the car chase. Effectively, it's not a car chase, but you know what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. yes. So it's true. And actually, to bring up episode two, I think that if 
like I felt like the one thing saving that movie is the music. Yeah, I have to agree. The across the universe, yeah, the, like, the lovers theme was pretty good. I have had that theme stuck in my head for days, and I don't know why. I haven't watched the rewatched the movie yet, which we had said we were going to rewatch all the prequels for next week's episode. But I haven't watched that one yet, and it's still stuck in my head. I'm like, da 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 da. Okay, calm down. But, um, I also like so basically. But you know, in the trailer for the last episode, and we talked about this. Yes, um, this took, is the inspiration for this episode. They was took, that trailer right because they took that. They took this. He took the main Star Wars theme, and the way he changed Put it on it, steroids. I don't know, but it makes it sound so final you know what i mean like this is so yeah this is it it's nostalgic it's just emotional like i think i was thinking about that on my drive home from work today and i'm like i can't stop like i was i was literally thinking how can i sit down can i sit down at the piano and play this on the piano a condensed version on the piano can I make myself because I'm not very good at this anyways but can I make myself because it's just so incredibly beautiful and so incredibly moving here is this theme that he's taken and kind of romanticized it in a way but made it final because you know that this is the this is the end this is it and it just like I think that it's a mix which of course this is like composing in a nutshell but I think that with the trailer it was a mix of changing the modes of the yep. chords mm-hmm. and it's also yeah. the orchestration itself like he was using you could, yeah, you could definitely if you compared it side by side with the original theme and then this you can definitely tell that there are uh, drastic chord changes in it you know what he might have played as a one chord he changed it to a three chord or a three um like a- diminished chord or something yeah. like that you know and it's you can Just definitely the tell being the same yeah correct the melody's the same but the chord progression is is different and that's what makes it so beautiful and so final like i just love but somebody was saying that wasn't even used in the movie and i'm like what it was this i don't think it was trailer? that makes me sad because it's so incredibly beautiful like that's a Maybe Perfect. he saw the movie and was like, eh, it doesn't deserve it. <laughs> not. I mean, it's a good trailer. It's a good trailer music, I guess. I was hoping say. for it, like, at the end of the credits. But at yes. the end of the credits, what they actually did was that they started the main theme over again. Yes. Which they've never done in the credits before. So no, it was it's, it's like a, a bookend. Theme. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, because to me, so whenever you listen, so when you listen to a Star Wars soundtrack, and you listen to the main theme, you know, the da 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 da, right? You're like, all right, we're starting. And then you get to the end, da 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 da, you know? And it's like, okay, we're going to continue on. You know what I mean? Because you yeah. know there's another episode coming. But then you're doing the da da at the beginning and then da da, and you're like, no, 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 what, why, why are we ending? This is it. It's done. There's always it's always the same in every Star Wars episode. You have the da 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 at the beginning, and at the end you have the da 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 da. You know? Yeah. Always and like you said, yeah, it, it's like a a bookend, mm-hmm. and it breaks my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why do you do this? Well, part of it, like we had orchestration class with Doctor Elise, whom we very much miss, and I hope he doesn't listen to our podcast and be ashamed of me. Um, <laughs> 
quick side note it took him three classes of like screaming at me to get me to understand um lining up beats with note stems which if you don't know what that means <laughs> don't, don't ask me anyway um so but he had like we had orchestration class with him it was me and three guys in this class all of which are better composers than i am but he had um he was specifically using star wars as an example where he said how would you create depth with instrumentation and we were like, which orchestration is the way you use instruments versus instrumentation, which is the instruments you use. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And so he was like, how would you use it with instrumentation? And we were like, use something. Uh, crap, what's the word? <laughs> um, like using something like a French horn is very mellow. That's kind of the word I was going for. Right. Like French horns are mellow, but brassy and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, how would you combine stuff? And he, we were like, um, we don't know, because we were dumb. And so then he says, he's like, you need to take a deep instrument, like the trombones and the, and the low brass, and maybe a berry sax, and you know, whatever. And then he's like, and then at the very top, you throw in the glock, which is the glockenspiel. Yes. And he's like, and what are you going to think of? And we were all like stars. And he was like, stars, thank you, children. <laughs> because it's like you and the glockenspiel, which are those little bell ding, 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 ding. Because, and John Williams uses a crap ton of them in Star mm-hmm. Wars. All over the place. He uses vibes. There's a, it's, I think it's Ray's theme in the new movies. I'm not, yes. I'm not positive. But yes, it has, right. uh, there's vibes and it's like a, um yes yes but i think it might be an english horn or something like i don't think it's an oboe but it's like this um you know and it's very that part is very uh like dainty kind of Mm -hmm. yeah which is kind of supposed to be the thing about ray like oh she's nobody and then at the end of the sequence it like rounds out kind of like her character you know right (laughs) like she's yeah she's a lot tougher than you think kind of thing and yeah, yeah, I understand. So, that makes sense. Yeah, it starts out kind of light and airy, but then as you get further along and as you get to know Ray more, then it starts to get fuller. The yeah, does, exactly. The does. And so, like you, like he started out with two instruments or three, possibly if you have like a drone thing going on over or underneath, and then he rounds out to like the whole orchestra Mm -hmm. so I mean those types of things are things that he didn't invent John Williams takes a lot of inspiration from uh early 20th century composers and the late romantics uh Mahler and Wagner especially Wagner have you seen the video where they're like playing uh I don't think it's like Rise of the Valkyries or whatever but you know it's the one song where it's just like this Mahler symphony and it's going super dramatic. It might be Wagner and I'm not. <laughs> I think it's Mahler though. It's super ridiculous. And then the trombonists in the back start playing Darth Vader's theme. Oh, yes. 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 Do you, rem- so, do you remember which composer um, that is? No, I don't. But I do know that um, I'm thinking it was Wagner now that I'm sitting here. There, uh, if, you like listen to, if you listen to the Imperial March and then you listen to um, the theme for Mars from the planets. 
Yes, that's very also very similar. Um, Holst. Yes, Holst, thank you. And mm-hmm. then also, if you listen to Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring. Oh, yes. And then if you listen to, like, the music for Tatooine, it's pretty similar. Like, I know my brother talks about, he, my brother. Oh, I was thinking of that to me I mean, once. I think the Rite of Spring, but I could only think of the weird drumming part at the beginning. I completely no, forgot he, the other part. Yeah, he, <laughs> my brother had told me this. He's like, you know, John Williams, he says John Williams likes to steal from other composers i think he's just inspired influencing yeah yeah and he had brought that up like if you listen to the rite of spring by stravinsky and then you listen to like music for like when they're on tatooine and like uh a new hope so when Mm -hmm. the droids are wandering around tatooine if you listen to the music there and the right is yeah it's lying i just very similar through my head and I was like, yeah I know I've got it going through my head too but it's very similar and then of course the Imperial March and then Hulse, um Mars are very yeah similar. that did well dun, actually dun, there's dun, a dun. lot of themes that while Holst didn't write the medley for uh I vowed to thee my country yeah Jupiter yeah of Jupiter yeah exactly Correct. it's the same a lot of the melodies from uh not even from Star Wars from Jurassic Park are a lot of Holst uh, mm-hmm. influences. Yes. Okay, so I think our first segment needs to end. <laughs> but, <laughs> right, just like getting carried away. Okay, when we come back, we're going to talk about um, our favorite pieces from John Williams besides Star Wars, because obviously it takes the, cr- the, the, the crane, the cake. It takes the cake. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway, we'll be right back. Hey guys, welcome back to What the Heck is Going On. Today we're talking about film composer John Williams. Also composer of apparently a hundred other things. Yes. Hey, you know, I was actually reading um, uh, the uh, film or the the score for um, A New Hope was... I lost it. Hold on. Give me a second. There was something about it. You had said that it was something was put. Oh, here we go. Um, the American Film Institute selected Williams score for A New Hope was the great as the greatest American film score of all time. That's what it was. Yeah. I wanted to say it was the number one, but I didn't want to misquote it. <laughs> Yes, the number so. one of all time. He's also won more film awards than anyone except for Walt Disney. Yes. Man's and brilliant. that's kind of insane. Especially for as many people running around. Didn't John Legend just get the what do you call it when you get all four of the big ones? Or five or whatever? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, I don't remember either. Anyway, if you guys know what it's called, feel free to add us on Twitter. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> but that's what, you know, he's had so much. So I think personally, for me, um, I love the Olympics themes. And one of the reasons I love them is because they're not cultural. Mm-mm. Kind of a weird thing. I love cultural music, by the way, like... But John Williams is so great at creating things that, like, because one of the things that he created in Star Wars in that first one was that 
little cantina song yeah and not in the most recent star wars that one was written by like lin Lin manuel miranda but (laughs) like you know he like he can create cultural things it was the same with et it was the same with kind of with jurassic park which i'll get into jurassic park in a second but like uh, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, he creates a culture with his music. He creates a new world, a different world. Yeah. You know, it makes it, and it's, you know, Harry Potter is another one, too. Oh, my I mean, gosh. You can I hear the yep. magic in Harry Potter. You know, that that that's the magic of music, honestly. And that's like the magic of John Williams, is that he can take the story and he can create it create the music to really make it progress and with harry potter you can hear the magic he has so many um chromatic and diatonic and uh one of the other modes i don't want to misquote a mode in case any of my uh professors are listening or ever do but you know he's got all these scales running up and down all over Mm -hmm. harry potter yes like uh again with the glock just everywhere and strings especially are really good at scales and he just has them everywhere in harry potter it's very true he's very good at creating culture so i feel like with the olympics it's the opposite where he's creating one well not the opposite but he's creating a culture of earth versus like races do you know what i'm saying it's like a you hear that you hear that timpani at the beginning of Summon the Heroes. Or no, sorry, that's a different place. But when you hear Summon the Heroes, it is. You know, it's you're like beginning. you're like, oh my gosh, you really think the Olympics. You know, yeah. there's no getting away from that. The two weeks every four years where the world gets together and has fun. You know? Yeah. You know, besides that whole World Cup thing that America just got into. Yeah, that's awesome as well. <laughs> but, you know, we're just like, eh. But the Olympics but true, is the, special. <laughs> the Olympics is like, um, I don't, I don't know enough about it to say everything accurately. I know I'm being super hesitant with my stances right now. But like, the Olympics essentially is like every civilized country. And even, like, you know, down to third world countries, like, half of Africa, you know, just, like, everyone goes to the Olympics. They send people, they represent their nations in a non-violent way, which was kind of the, you know, that's the point of the Olympics back in the But they, you know, the way he uses the music to be, like, these are our champions, these are our heroes, and it's not because they're, like, uh, beating each other up or anything like it's because they're representing their country at the peak of their physicality right and so like I think that's one of the reasons I like them so much also I'll say my one probably my favorite non or not non my favorite film that it's not Star Wars that he's composed um, Indiana Jones is okay but I'm not going to talk about it uh, <laughs> I think it's Jurassic Park like Indiana Jones is kind of a product of its time. It's very nineteen seventies slash eighties. I think it's eighties. Yes. That's a it's catchy very, thing. Ad- yeah, very adventurous. Very, but it's kind of like all the television and film of the eighties is kind of like that. I can see and that. I mean, like it's 
not I'm not saying that it's not great because it is and it is very catchy it's also one of the most recognizable ones Mm -hmm. because John Williams but I feel like with Jurassic World if you were to listen to any of the other like if you were listening to Harry Potter's music you'd be like this is about wizards and if you you know Star Wars is like this is a space adventure and Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones this is Indiana Jones what what do we call him an archaeologist (laughs) but like you know, a super badass one. So, like, <laughs> you know, you hear all that music and that's what you think of. And I feel like with Jurassic World, you don't listen to it and think of this is a dinosaur thriller movie. No. You know what I'm, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, the music is completely separate, but it drives the emotional part of the it movie. It does. I mean, like, when you hear that theme, though, from Jurassic Park, you know, he does okay. So when you first listen, when you listen to Jurassic Park, the the first one, the soundtrack, like mm-hmm. it starts off kind of eerie and mysterious, because you know in the beginning of the movie they're like, "What is it that they got in this cage? What do they got? It's kind of scary. It just ate somebody. What is going on?" You know. So he kind of he sets the stage for it, like mm-hmm. the drums at the beginning. He sets that stage. And then you get that theme that comes in and you're just kind of like, it makes the theme, the theme makes me think of, of wonder. You know what I mean? And I kind of think the theme is also setting up the ethical parts of the movie. Cause like, that's kind of the underlying part of Jurassic Park and the new ones, the Jurassic World ones, where it's like, you created something that hasn't been that hasn't been in existence for you know at least thousands of years well and it's like it's like what they say in the movie just because you can doesn't mean you should yeah and so then the whole debate just continues like what do we do about it now how do we contain it obviously we've screwed it up but you know like whatever and so i think what you're saying like about it being wondrous it's like whoa look at this place and it's much of the movie is thriller and scary but the main theme is about yeah it's very where nothing really matters where you're not thinking about you're just like oh my gosh there's a t-rex whoa yeah like think about it eating you and that movie also was groundbreaking with visual effects uh for various reasons but they used a ton of practical effects and it's just like if you think because it looks real yes and I just think, like, I wish people still made movies with more practical effects. I'm not sure which one is cheaper, and I know the big, you know, they don't really make them anymore like that. But just because it was, like, CGI, it looked... Yeah, yeah it's mostly CGI now. they don't as much anymore. But anyway, we're getting off from the music. But I think <laughs> Jurassic Park, and it might just be because Mrs. D, who was my, uh, one of my bosses in college... She would play Jurassic Park on a loop for hours <laughs> in the office. Like, you would just be sitting outside her office working, which I didn't, except for my first year at Swahoo, I didn't work in front of her office. But if you came in for anything, you would just hear super low under her desk. And then you'd come back like 30 minutes later. And you're just like, what? 
and like and then the next day you come in and you're just like this woman and i think it's just like her concentration music oh yeah she can listen over and over and over and just like you know never get tired of it and i get it i really do i used to actually play uh the superman soundtrack also a very good soundtrack but also screams superman (laughs) um but they actually borrow this is something i heard recently i can't cite it to make sure it's true i'll probably have to figure it out um you know wonder woman of course is a big thing right now Mm -hmm. and like she's got her own movie uh, she's got the sequel coming out, which I'm super pumped for. If anyone wants to see it, anyway. Yeah. So, and then, um, I heard that they actually borrowed a lot of the mute. Not they didn't borrow, but you know, inspired. They were inspired a lot of her themes and stuff. I don't know who composed her her music, but a lot of it is borrowed from John Williams' Superman theme. That makes sense. I can see yeah. that. And like, obviously, it should be. And, like, there's just, it's a ton, it's a whole era of, you know, we're, like, at the height of superhero movies right now. Right. And the music, of course, is also a big part of those movies. Like, everyone knows the Avengers theme now and different things. But, like, you know, John Williams started all that. But, yeah, I think my favorite is part of Jurassic Park. Do you have a favorite? (laughs) So, I love all of his music. And, honestly, I'm going to, I'll be straight with you. Star Wars is my ultimate favorite. But... One that I think that is overlooked is Schindler's List. And I was hoping you would bring up Schindler's List. Especially the theme from Schindler's List when you have each Doc Perlman on the violin. Oh my gosh. It's so it's so bittersweet, you know? It's just kind of mm-hmm. like when you listen to it because I have only the story. Seen, um I think I've only seen scenes of Schindler's List. Oh, it is brutal. I haven't seen the whole thing. Yeah, and I think it's just because I can't watch really sad movies. Like, I watched Half of War Horse, which, of course, another John Williams one. But it's, you know, that's it's not the same era. World Horse or War Horse is from World War One. I it's it's brutal. The movie is brutal. Any any Holocaust movie that you ever watch. It's always going to be brutal, which is good because we need to be reminded of the atrocities that happen. But yeah, John Williams really captures like that that hope that the Jewish people felt that you know, okay, we're going through all of this, but there has to be a light at the end of the tunnel, kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just and to have Itzhak Perlman playing that solo violin part just kind of like cements that as well because if I remember correctly he had I think had family who escaped the Holocaust that seems right but I also can't um, exactly. he is not it's a Spielberg film right yes I th- think Spielberg is Jewish I wouldn't be surprised honestly I think but he is but that that theme like I like I'm just I hear it in my head it's just very and also, it kind of reminds me of the Jewish culture as well, like their music. Do yes, you know they're very. I, mean? um, I was just thinking that time period, the 1940s. Yeah. Violins were very um, common. I mean, like, not that everyone had one. I think they were kind of like guitars where they weren't dirt cheap, but, you know, they were pretty common for people to use and play. 
and that's why they're big in movies like Fiddler on the Roof, which is of course a very Jewish, right, centered movie. Um, I was reading the series recently that uh, I had to stop reading because it was getting very depressing. <laughs> it was about World War II, about a Jewish family in World War II, but like they talk about violins and how they were like violinists were like the singers like the pop singers like Mm -hmm. they were very famous so I think it was also very reminiscent of that era and that part of Europe yes exactly Europe has always been the home of the violin but there's just just something about that theme that when you listen to it and especially when you listen to that um like it starts with like you know it's just very and then it kind of goes into that um kind of like a dark part of it like you you kind of it's like an emotional roller coaster really because you're just kind of like okay this is kind of nice and then it's just like then you're like oh okay the things that you know the, the atrocities of the holocaust and and the people they don't have much hope the jewish people don't have much hope that this is going to end and then it just kind of goes back into that you know there really is and that um you know that they're going to make it through this because there are there are strong sturdy hardy people you know they've been through this since since egypt you know this they know hardship they understand it yeah. and they know that they're going to get through it kind of thing and you know there was one movie that we watched about the holocaust where i remember one line they were like the rabbi was praying to god choose another people please just choose another people <laughs> why do we have you to know be and but it just like it just kind of captures that essence of the jewish culture like you know they go through all of these hardships but there's always they always make it out in the end you know they always they and get through really it really proud to be jewish yes like, exactly and it's absolutely thing that like uh even the ones that aren't religious practicing jews they're like yeah i'm jewish and that's Correct. you know yes the extremely I mean, proud they have every right they to be would. proud and yeah so i think that and pretty sure he's like i'm pretty sure williams is not but he's worked with so many he knows he just people. he knows yeah he knows he how to capture that he has to study cultures and concepts before oh, he I'm starts. Sure. Oh, I'm sure he does. There, I'm, sh- I'm well, sure because he's just so good at capturing it. And yeah. you know, like with the memoirs of a geisha, when he wrote for memoirs of a geisha, beautiful music. I mean, he 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 uses the um, oh, I forget what that instrument is called. That really big harp-like instrument used in the Japanese culture. Um, oh. Dang it. I don't know. But he but I, I think he truly does. He he researches into the cultures to make sure that he captures that. And that's one of the things I loved about I love about Schindler's list and the theme from Schindler's, especially when you listen to the original soundtrack and it's Itzak Perlman who is playing that violin solo. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so <laughs> man, this is gonna be a long episode. <laughs> you know what? It's worth it. <laughs> Okay, guys, when we come back, we're just going to have some closing thoughts and we will announce um, our up- some of our upcoming projects. So stick around. Stay tuned. Hey, guys, welcome back. So we're talking about John Williams. And as you can tell by the length of this episode that we adore John Williams. Um, we love him. 
we do. And you, John Williams. You know, <laughs> Annie has a more in-depth background in music than I do, but um, I don't. You think have you one have though. To. Uh, I guess I don't know, but you don't have to have like a degree in music to really appreciate his music. I, I mean, you don't. We just like to talk about the technical stuff, honestly. But anybody, regardless of where you at are at in music, you can always appreciate music, no matter what. Um, it's very true. I often say. Um, I shouldn't say often. I've gotten this question a few times since I've been through college. Like, you know, people will be like, oh, a music a music major, a music teacher, like, tell us, who do you think is the modern day best composer? And I always say, it's John Williams. Yeah. And then sometimes, but everyone knows who it is, but sometimes they'll be like, oh, why do you say that? And I'm like, do you know who he is? And they're like, yes. And I say, that's why. Like, <laughs> Everyone knows who he is regardless of, you know, because some people you'll be like, who's your favorite composer from back in the day? And if I said Gustav Holst, people would be like, okay, but they probably wouldn't know what you're talking about, right? Yeah, they'd be like, sure, that sounds like a composer, but couldn't recognize any of his stuff. Right. But John Williams, everyone knows. Yes. Part of the film industry, but it's also like he's a structure of our culture, like his work is. So, I mean, yeah. He <laughs> set sure. that precedent for music to help tell the story. And, and it's really important. Music and storytelling. Music was always storytelling. Like, that's kind of the... Yes, exactly. I think film just finally caught up where... Or not film, but maybe just technology caught up where they could put it all together. Right. And not just John... and you know, John Williams has set that precedent. So when you look at other composers as well, Howard Shore for Lord of the Rings. Oh my gosh. A beautiful. We could talk about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> just, I mean, gorgeous. I feel like our year is Don't already full. Oh my gosh. Podcast, There's just so but... many out there. John Powell with his How to Train a Dragon. John Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer with Gladiator. Uh, Klaus. Klaus. Uh, Klaus. Oh, what's his name? Well, Hans Zimmer Plus also did Pirates of, the Pirates of the Caribbean. And, and, yeah. But there was a second one who did that. Klaus Bottle? 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 Oh, I totally see it. But There's anyway. also Hans Zimmer and John Powell teamed up to do Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Anyways, the point is, is that John oh, yeah. Williams, he set the precedent for what we have for film score now. And I don't I don't know if we'll ever see anybody like John Williams ever again. I think we will have like people pretty close yeah, to John Williams, but I don't think in our lifetime anyways, we'll see that again. I think it's going to be a case of, uh, I can't really think of a historical case, but basically they, the era of like golden Hollywood, there was very few studios, very few big names and he was like the go-to film composer and yep. it was actually kind of nice because he's also a conductor which i didn't talk about before yes because a lot of composers aren't conductors they have Correct. to watch another conductor um interpret their music but john williams as often as he can conducts his own i think he did if i remember correctly i think for all of the star wars movies he conducted when they uh, scored it 
Like yeah. he was the one. He was there. And it was always the London Symphony Orchestra who yes. um, played. All the Star mm-hmm. Wars music is the London Symphony Orchestra. Um, and something that I read somewhere is that when he came back to do... Oh, no, I he talked about this. When he came back to do the prequels, um, and again, they used the London Symphony Orchestra, he said that there were people from... There were players, musicians from when they did the original Star Wars, and then, of course, you had your new musicians who said, you are the reason why I got into this and oh, I listened to your music and this is why I'm here kind of thing. And that's like, I was tearing up influential he of, is. Uh, I mean, absolutely. I was tearing up at the end of the second viewing of the last movie, the last Star Wars movie, because at the very end, he had this magnificent, like me tearing up. It was beautiful like uh <laughs> timpani fanfare at the very end did you notice that i don't know i have to like i said i it gotta was watch like it again. wasn't as grand as some of the other ones but it was just like at the very end they have that last uh the down note at, or the, what do you, the downbeat oh my gosh Anne. anyway <laughs> the downbeat uh with the trumpets where they're like Wah! and then the timpani at the end is like dun 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 but it's over like more than two pitches probably three and it starts out like amazing and it was very olympic-esque like how he normally does it but i was sitting there like damn i just gave up timpani like a year ago <laughs> like, well like i said this was his last star wars film his I need last to find out who one the timpanist is and so he's Orchestra. gonna end it with a bang okay not only is this the final episode in these this star the skywalker saga but this is his final star wars episode he he's gonna end it with a bang regardless yeah but so anyways speaking of star wars um our next projects is going to be about star wars because another thing not only do we love john williams but we love the star wars saga we are on a high right now really some of you and so like we're gonna start off we'll be starting off talking about the prequels we actually discussed do we want to start do we want to do the prequel start with the prequels and just go in chronological order of the story or do we want to go and when it was released and we decided to go chronological i think that might work out better than doing by release but um so we're going to talk about that um we also have other projects um for instance um we want to there's a podcast episode i'd like to do a drunk history with that my sister wants to partake in because she's weird (laughs) So we want to do like a drunk history episode. I know Annie wants to do an episode just talking about music, just like talking about like our passions and stuff like that. And so those are episodes that we are um, hoping to explore in the future. But the next episode is going to be. Oh, is this me? The That's Star Wars. <laughs> the, uh, we just, the next one will be the Star Wars prequels. We're going to be talking about. Um how we felt about them as movies first of all because if they're not star wars movies you know that's a different thing than judging them as star wars movies uh whether or not um wow i just went completely blank okay let me start over first we're gonna judge them as movies second as star wars movies there we go third we're gonna probably talk about what we would do to improve them personally um and then uh i just need to watch two and three before next week yeah i still gotta watch one two so, and three but that's okay it's great that we have disney plus now <laughs> yes and i, I also have those movies so 
I have yeah. never seen three all the way through, so we'll see how it goes. But we'll probably talk a little more about music then. But anyway, we are happy that 2020 is we're going to have a lot of fun with uh, maybe some more pop culture things. Star Wars, we should talk about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And then, um, you know, some of our passions. I'd love to do one about some of uh, creative writing and different aspects there. That could be fun. So anyway, um, we hope you guys have a great week. Welcome to 2020 once again. Uh, if you, oh, one last announcement. We're now on Spotify. Oh, yay. So if That's you're right. listening to us on Spotify, um, please <laughs> share with your friends that are also on Spotify. It's the biggest platform we're on besides um, Apple Podcasts. Apple. So please tell your friends, tell your family, share on Twitter, add us. If you think we got something wrong, you can pick a fight with us. We like to be accurate over right i don't know if that makes sense <laughs> but yes we we're trying to be accurate we're not trying to take people down all right anyway right so yes have a happy week and i'm annie i'm marianne and we will see you guys next week <laughs>